On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla puts the brakes on the rear-wheel drive Model S, a few supercharging-related updates from around the world, Tesla reportedly partners with AMD on a self-driving processor, and more. What's happening, friends? Welcome to Ride the Lightning. It is the unofficial Tesla podcast for September 24th, 2017. This is episode 112, uh, and I am very happy to have... uh, Well, I'm still here. I'm still on the New Jersey shore, but I've celebrated my birthday week down here at this big family reunion, which is actually on account of my cousin Pat, the uh, Model S owner from Arizona, who I've mentioned a number of times, my good old cousin Pat. It's his 60th birthday celebration, uh, so we're all here for that. It just happens to coincidentally also be my birthday. Um, but yeah, we're here for him, but it was good to just be... My, my birthday present was to just get to be here with, with family from all over the country that I just don't get to see very often, and just what a, what a blessing that was and, and is. I'm still here. With, some folks have gone home. We're winding down. I'm heading back tomorrow, but... Uh, um, so I'm recording on Friday, heading back tomorrow on Saturday. So uh, it is good to be back with you all, though. I, uh, I uh, researched the heck out of the show, as always, this week. And, well, tell you what, uh, vacation doesn't... It's a good thing I didn't take this week off for vacation because there's been a lot of Tesla news. Uh, so, yeah, I want to thank everybody who had, who had sent along kind birthday wishes. And uh, with that, I move on to the podcast and I want to start with just a, a kind of last follow-up on the hurricane, to the, the Tesla-related hurricane and disaster-related scenarios. You know, we've been talking about that for the last few weeks now as, as Harvey and Irma and Jose and, and the rest have, have been in the news. I just actually wanted to read you uh, an email here that I received from Evan in Cape Canaveral who wanted to add some perspective on this. He writes in, uh, with regards to his Irma, Hurricane Irma evacuation experience. He says, I just wanted to share our experience with Hurricane Irma evacuation and supercharging since it was a topic last week. We left our place in Cape Canaveral for our place in Illinois early on Friday the 9th and were in bumper-to-bumper traffic until Atlanta. Every supercharger was open and crowded. However, we always had a spot and we didn't experience any slow charging. We saw the same group of Teslas at each stop, and I'm fairly certain all of us were overcharging just in case. The gas station lines were very long, especially in Florida. Because of that, I don't think it would have been any faster in a gas car. Autopilot makes stop-and-go traffic much less stressful, which helps considerably. I'm sure we'll take our X if we have to evacuate in the future. So, Evan, I'm glad that you made it out safely and that both your Tesla and the Tesla supercharging infrastructure were able to uh, do their jobs and take good care of you and your family. Um, Again, finishing the point on this, wanted to go to a quick call from the Ride the Lightning hotline. It comes to us from Chris in Houston, obviously a uh, directly affected area this summer. Uh, He uh, wanted to make one additional point on the, on this topic. So Chris, welcome to the show. You're on the air. Yeah, this is Chris from Houston. Um, just listening to your podcast this week. Uh, pretty big fan. Just started listening about two months ago. Um, you, you kind of commented that uh, an electric vehicle would be superior to an ICE vehicle during a disaster. Um, just kind of wanted to comment. You didn't mention it during the, the podcast, but uh, quite often, especially during hurricanes, there's some pretty wide, um, electric grid outages. So in that case, you'd find yourself still relying on gasoline, possibly powering a generator then to charge your vehicle. Um, just kind of minor detail, I figured I'd toss it out there because it's uh, pretty pretty important when it comes to comparing infrastructure and, and uh, which type of vehicle is better. All right, I really appreciate it. Keep up the good work. Bye. That's a good point, Chris. And uh, again, welcome to the podcast. Fortunately, uh, as we heard certainly from Evan just a few moments ago, the superchargers seem to be pretty reliable during Hurricane Irma in Florida, though I do admit I, I didn't hear anything either way about how the Houston area superchargers held up 
in both the lead up to and the, the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey. So I hope you and your family there in Houston got through it safe and unscathed. All right, let's move on with this week's Tesla news, starting with Elon Musk, the uh, man at the top, the boss man, teasing the Tesla pickup truck, maybe? Listen to this. He was Elon was asked a question on Twitter, as he is every single day. It's just a matter of <laughs> when he decides and if he decides to reply. Elon was asked, can we get a light-duty pickup next? This was in response to his announcement that the Tesla semi-truck reveal event would be coming up on October 26th. Elon replied, what if we just made a mini version of the Tesla Semi? Now, people took this tweet in a lot of different ways. And the trouble with Twitter and just, you know, written word in general, particularly in short form social media uh, version like this, it's tough to discern tone, whether we're, you know, someone is serious or sarcastic or completely joking or what have you. So, Some people thought that this meant that the pickup truck could be, the light-duty pickup truck, could be the, you know, the reason to attend the semi-truck event that Elon has teased recently. Others started thinking about what this, what a smaller version of a Tesla Tesla semi-truck might look like. I, for one, believe he was joking on this one. Uh... We know that Elon has a, a very, his own sort of unique brand of, of humor, his, uh, quite the unique sense of humor. And we've seen it on display many, many times before, both uh, on Twitter and outside of it. And I really think he was just kidding around on this one. And I mean, while we know that a pickup truck is planned on the Tesla product roadmap, and I certainly have no doubt that Tesla is going to rethink what a pickup truck should be, just as they've done with the sedan for Model S and as they have allegedly, reportedly done with the semi-truck. The fact is the pickup truck is much farther out on the horizon for Tesla. And I, so I just think Elon was, was having a little bit of fun on Twitter with this. Uh, time will tell. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we'll look back on this and go, oh yeah, he totally said it would be <laughs> a small version of the Tesla semi-truck back in September of 2017. Nobody believed him, or not everyone believed him. So we'll see, but I think he was kind of kidding around on this one. Uh, Definitely not a joke here, though. That is that Tesla is discontinuing the rear-wheel drive Model S 70. Well, they only sell the rear-wheel drive in the uh, 75-kilowatt-hour battery pack version. That is gone as of today, should you happen to be listening on Sunday, September 24th, uh, if you're one of the Patreon supporters who gets the show a little early, well, you've got another day or two, depending on when you're listening to this. So this, remember, this this was not, this is not coming out of nowhere. Tesla told us back in July that they would be discontinuing that rear-wheel drive 75 pretty soon, and now they have done exactly that. So uh, they gave about a, a two-month grace period there. And... So if you're interested in buying one, because remember now that the Model S base price is going up by $5,000 as as an indirect result. Well, it is a direct result of this, but uh, just because the dual motor costs more, that that savings is, or that money is not being uh, passed along as savings to the consumer. The the base price of the car is going up to $74,500 which certainly uh, creates room for the Model 3 to live uh, as far price-wise. So uh, I'm gonna, I actually wanted to start giving out a new referral code. Uh, I spoke with, with our friend Gordon in Hawaii, who's been a, a great listener and, and had uh, kindly offered up his referral code that a number of you folks have used. He got the prizes. Uh, he's on his way to... Uh, you know, that next-gen Roadster discount should he elect to keep referring people. But uh, I wanted to try and try and spread the love on, on the uh, referral codes. And in fact, my cousin Pat, who I am here with and here for, I talked to him. I wanted to start, I wanted to actually give out Pat's referral code so uh, that maybe he can get, ideally, the Powerwall. Because he wants to, he, want, he lives in Arizona, so solar is a, is a natural next step for him whenever... He's ready for, uh, he wants to redo 
his roof here in, in the next uh, few years. So I uh, would love to try and get my cousin Pat that power wall. It'll take some referrals to do that. Uh, so if you are buying a Tesla, do the quick plug here, you'll get $1,000 off of the car, either, the, of course, the Model S or the Model X, $1,000 off the car, car and free unlimited lifetime supercharging. So put this referral code into your web browser. It's going to be, a, it's a short link. It's ts.la slash Patrick5008. That's Patrick5008. And uh, that will be the referral code I'm going to be giving out going forward. Much appreciated to everybody who has, gosh, it's been at this point a couple dozen people. I, I think we've we've been able to uh, to have used the code, use various people's codes, uh, which has been great. I love that I've kind of been able to use this podcast as a vehicle for that. Uh, pardon the <laughs> pardon the phrasing, vehicle uh, to help get some people some discounts and some uh, and get the referrers some prizes. Anyway, uh, the other thing about this discontinuation of the rear-wheel drive Model S is that now means that, of course, every single Model S and Model X built from here on out will be an all-wheel drive car that also has smart air suspension. Remember, because it's, it's always been standard on the Model X, but it is now, it was recently made standard on the Model S. So not only does that, again, separate it out from the Model 3, where both of those features are optional, the smart air suspension, which is going to be coming online as an option uh, in the springtime, as well as the, of course, all-wheel drive, that's coming in the springtime as well. Uh, so that, that it accomplishes that, uh, and that, by, by extension, that simplifies Tesla's manufacturing efficiency yet again. So, you know, it's just fewer variations of the Model S to be built, which makes manufacturing a little bit, just a little bit more streamlined and thus easier and uh, less costly. You know, it's cheaper for Tesla when there are fewer variants to account for. And by, and if not necessarily literally cheaper, it's just the efficiency means they are saving money because they can build more cars in the exact same amount of time. Next up this week, as laid out by Tesla in their blog about the future of the supercharging network a few months ago, the evolution of those supercharging stations is happening. It's out there. It's happening as promised. So J.B. Straubel, who we of course all know as the CTO, chief technology officer, and co-founder of Tesla, did I? But I, by the way, folks, did I mention? that I did get to meet him extremely briefly at the Model 3 delivery event. I feel like I don't think I got to mention that, or I think I forgot to mention that. He was very nice, but as a, as a person, you know, I, I'm comfortable behind a microphone because I've done it for a long time and, and I, I enjoy doing it. But I'll tell you, I, I'm real bad at parties and events where I don't know people. I'm just, I'm horrible at small talk and, and just not comfortable there. I could tell poor JB as he was making the rounds, he did not want to be bothered. Like I, I kind of came up to him and I could tell right away, uh, that, that he just wanted to get the heck out of there, like away, away from, from people like me. And, and I don't blame him at all. So I just quickly said, Oh, I, I, I didn't even, I didn't even talk about the podcast. I'd wanted to. But I just said, oh, you know, uh, thanks for thanks for building these cars. I can't wait to get mine. And he was gracious and, and moved on. Anyway, so JB was, uh, he clearly is also a little more comfortable behind a microphone because he was a speaker at the Food Service Technology Conference trade show this past week. And he talked about the evolution of the supercharging network. And as they're getting bigger and turning more into convenience stations, in fact, he said, quote, they are starting to look a lot like convenience stops. It's amazing how quickly things are evolving. He also added, quote, People are coming and spending 20 to 30 minutes at these stops. They want to eat. They want to have a cup of coffee. They want to use the bathroom, end quote. And then uh, he also noted that we have already been working with restaurants as far as getting them uh, integrated and involved into these supercharger convenience stops. He says that can only start scaling up. So that's pretty cool that, that uh, you know, it's, they're becoming, you know, I wonder, maybe a good analogy is, you know, the, if you're a, 
I actually, I'm actually not a member of any of the, you know, gold member frequent flyer club things, but I've been in those those lounges a few times at the airport, you know, where where the the high rollers, the people with a million <laughs> frequent flyer miles, get to go. I, I feel like these stations are kind of turning into that, where you know you've got snacks, you've got restroom, it's a, and it's a nice relaxing place. You can charge up your your phone, your 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 toys. And that's cool to see that that that's, uh, seems to be the way it's going with Tesla. I love seeing it. So uh, there's a couple of those big stations in the works in California. And speaking of these superchargers, the expansion of the supercharger network isn't just in the United States. It is worldwide. And Tesla is building its biggest ever supercharging station of all places in an underground parking garage in Shanghai. Electric uh, p- first posted this story this week, and uh, they noted that it's a gentleman named Jason Mann found found this under construction supercharging station uh, at the Lilacs International Commerce Center in the Pudong District of Shanghai, and it is a fifty station site. It's like the whole garage. It's a, it's an underground, you know, obviously covered parking garage, and it's just. It's just superchargers everywhere you turn, and which is just cool. The pictures are pretty cool to see if you go on Electric and take a look at them. But what would be even more awesome will be once it's done, one day seeing it completely filled up, like 50 Teslas all in there charging up. That would, that would just be a heck of a sight to see. And by the way, it's, it is worth noting too, just a little side note here with this station, is these are the regular full maximum speed superchargers, not those physically smaller 72 kilowatt urban superchargers that I spoke about last week. So uh, Shanghai gearing up for more Teslas to be running around. Speaking of China, by the way, Tesla is now the leading import automaker in China. Bloomberg New Energy Finance reports that Tesla has about a 9% market share there, which isn't necessarily a ton on, on paper, right, in, in kind of a vacuum. But in context, it's actually huge because it's more than any other non-Chinese car company. So that means Tesla is the number one import, uh, import car in China. Electric reports, quote, China is reportedly again considering to relax its uh, protectionist law that forces foreign companies to create joint ventures with domestic firms in order to manufacture in the country. Automakers would be exempted from the rule if they produce electric vehicles, end quote. And uh, Tesla's, you know, Tesla's relative market success there in China is, quote, Despite the company not having access to all EV incentives in the country and its vehicles being subject to a 25% import duty. Therefore, this is great news if you're a Tesla shareholder because China has absolutely gargantuan market potential for Tesla that's still almost entirely untapped. And I, I mean, I see this as a snowball kind of effect in that the more success Tesla has in China, even with those barriers that I just mentioned, or maybe it's more fair to say, even without access to all of the potential benefits that domestic automakers have in China, then the more likely the Chinese government is to work with Tesla and make it easier for them to do business there, which will in turn make it uh, allow Tesla to sell more and more cars and gain more and more of a foothold and help China on its way to curbing its its uh, carbon footprint and its pollution, its air pollution situation. So just fantastic stuff there. Uh, keep an eye on the China situation. The I suspect uh, the next big China announcement we're likely to get as it pertains to Tesla will, will almost certainly be a, a gigafactory. You know, I, I believe that it was, you know, reported that there, that Tesla is talking to Shanghai specifically about a gigafactory, and it's, it just makes a ton of sense for Tesla to put up a gigafactory there, which, by the way, if that does happen, 
Elon's talked about wanting to have it all in one building, just like completely vertically integrated. And I would think Shanghai would be the perfect place to start in that, you know, there's not already uh, a Tesla factory there to produce cars. If they built a, a Gigafactory 3 in Shanghai, it could be the battery factory and the car assembly plant all in one shot, which uh, which would be really cool, actually, to just, just uh, again, uh, perfect efficiency or, or as perfect as you can get from Tesla there. All right, well, that ends your segue block. I hope you, hope you took note of the slick segues between those last three stories, but I'm not done. There's, uh, there's more to be discussed in the world of Tesla this week. Back in February, I did the story here about a deal that Tesla signed in Dubai as we make our way around the world to supply, they were going to supply 200 cars to be used as taxis, which in turn, you know, in time rather, would become fully autonomous taxis. Well, the first 50 of those cars have been delivered with uh, the report being that 75 more are expected to be delivered in 2018 and the other 75 in 2019. The mix of Model S's to Model X's wasn't given, but my guesstimate is that it's about half and half at least for this, at least for this first batch of fifty, and I say that because in one of the photos taken at an event uh, about this at the Dubai airport, there is an absolutely fantastic picture of what looks like twenty plus black Model Xs all lined up curbside. So they're 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 all bumper to bumper. You know, they're all parallel parked one in front of the other. And in each of the pictures, not only are they all, uh, you know, it's 20 plus or so black Model Xs, but they're, all of them have the driver's side Falcon wing door open as if to welcome a passenger. And it's a, it's a really, really neat photo. It's a, 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 just something unique. You don't see that every day. And so if you, if you get a chance, if you're, if you swing by Electrex website, take a look at that. It's a, it's a great picture. Next up this week, CNBC is reporting that Tesla is working with AMD. They are uh, one of the most prominent computer chip makers on the planet. Behind, They've always kind of been uh, you know, the second fiddle to Intel, but they are a very big deal in their own right. They are allegedly working on a custom processor for Tesla uh, in order to be used in the cars as the brains behind self-driving. Now, uh, the quote from CNBC is, the car maker has received back samples of the first implementation of its processor and is now running tests on it, said a source familiar with the matter. Before you hardware to Model uh, S and X owners panic, uh, by the way, not to mention Model 3 reservation holders who are expecting their cars in the next 6 to 12 months, which is a lot of us, because that's, you know, if this report is indeed true, and I can't imagine it's not because CNBC is not exactly a, a uh, you know, blog that's just out there trolling for clicks by making up anything. They are a, a uh, recognized and respected media outlet. Uh, remember, Tesla has, has not only said recently that the hardware they have now will be sufficient for full self-driving, but they also said that they would upgrade all the cars, they would upgrade the fleet for free if that is what is necessary, if, he, if a newer processor is what's necessary in order to achieve full self-driving capability. I mean, I'm sure it, it's uh, going to be a more powerful chip, no doubt about that. And, and in fact, uh, on the note of the upgrade, you may recall that that chip, uh, that processor is located behind the glove box of the dashboards in the X's and X's for, that, for this exact reason, in order to make them easy for the service team to get at if needed in order to swap out the chip, whether there's a problem or if they need to facilitate an upgrade. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure whatever they're working on with AMD is a more powerful chip because, of course, computer processing moves forward every single day. But 
I bet that rather than a, a power, you know, a CPU power issue, it's probably more of a uh, cost control issue, I feel, because it's certainly, it's cheaper in the long run to design and manufacture your own chip rather than have to sign a supplying a supply deal with NVIDIA in this case, that's who that's the chips they're using now, then uh, for their for their off-the-shelf part. If you can custom tailor one to your own needs that that cuts out any fluff from a processing perspective that you don't need that perhaps the NVIDIA chip has in there because it's not custom designed for Tesla use, it allows you to uh, optimize and and uh, be more efficient and thus save money on uh, on the on the production of it there. So I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on that story, absolutely. Next this week, Tesla may have some interesting plans for roadside service, unless I'm thinking about this the wrong way. So I'm curious to hear what you folks think. Tesla filed a patent earlier this year for a mobile battery swap station where they could switch the battery out in, uh, if necessary, in a trailer like a tractor-trailer kind of night Rider thing. Uh, this is a quote from the patent filing. In some Im- implementations, the battery swap system is configured for use by one or more technicians who will monitor certain aspects of the system's operation and make necessary inputs when appropriate. For example, the battery swapping system can be installed at a remote location, e.g. along a highway between two cities, and one or more technicians can be stationed at the location for operating the system. This can reduce or eliminate the need for the system to have vision components, which may otherwise be needed to align the the battery pack or other components. Using techniques described herein, it may be possible to exchange the battery pack of a vehicle in less than 15 minutes. So, as I said, I, I, I see this as an emergency roadside service kind of situation. Uh, do, does anybody out there, do any of you kind folks listening have any other ideas for how this might be used uh, should Tesla elect to actually produce it? I mean, am I, am I missing an obvious use case here, etc.? Give me a call. Give me a, I'll be giving the toll-free Ride the Lightning Hotline info here coming up in a few minutes. But first, a couple of more stories. First is that uh, Tesla is gaining more and more positive, and I should mention free of charge, attention uh, by way, this time, of Motor Trend's annual World's Greatest Drag Race. The P100D Model S, that of the 0 to 60 in 2.3 seconds, beat out the following cars in a quarter-mile drag race. Despite, I might add, the Model S, which uh, Motor Trend noted, the S is the heaviest car in the entire competition, and yet it beat out the following cars. The Alfa Romeo, uh, Giulia Quadrifolio, if I think I'm probably mispronouncing that. The Aston Martin DB11, the Chevy Camaro Z1, ZL11LE, the Chevy Corvette Grand Sport, the Ferrari 488 GTB, the Lexus LC500, the McLaren 570GT, the Mercedes-AMG GTR, the Nissan GTR Nismo, the Porsche 718 Cayman S, and finally, the Porsche 911 Turbo S. It didn't win by a ton, but it did beat them all. I mean, if you watch the video, it's a pretty cool video. It goes on a little long. It's like an eight-minute video that probably could have been done in half the time, but... uh, it's, it's a pretty cool video, and you get to see the Model S torch a bunch of real expensive cars. <laughs> and and it, on that note, it kind of uh, it's a shame that the Model X P100D wasn't also a part of this. I mean, I guess they felt it would probably be a little bit redundant, but nevertheless, it would have been interesting to see how many of those other cars that I just mentioned that the Model X would have would have beaten, you know, because it's about half a second slower or so. Than, uh, than the S is. Finally this week, if you're in Denver and you have kids in grade school and elementary school, well, they might get to see a Tesla at school at some point. And I know you're probably wondering where the heck I'm going with this. And it's here. The Denver Police Department has turned a Model S into a police car. 
They're not going to be running you down for speeding in it, however. Instead, it's being used strictly for promotional purposes. And I think back to when I was a kid, when I was in elementary school, there was a big thing when I was uh, at that point. That was uh, the what late 80s. And it was uh, D.A.R.E. I don't know if D.A.R.E. was a nationwide thing or not, but it was Drug Abuse Resistance Education. It was part of a, you know, a, a, a stay drug-free campaign with, with kids. And they would bring out the promotional car to the school to let all the kids, you know, drool all over it and ooh and ah. And when I was a kid, uh, it was a Mustang Although I did also see pictures, never in, never in person, never at my school, of a police car uh, Lamborghini, but I, I've seen pictures. But now in Denver, kids may get to check out a Model S, should it happen to come to their school. And I'll tell you, I love this because it will not only encourage kids to learn more about Teslas and take a bigger interest in them, but uh, it, it's just... It, it also just allows them to become more used to seeing Teslas and having it be a normal thing to them. Uh, and, and in fact, you know, I, I've read a lot of the, you know, Tesla Motors Club forums for, you know, for the last eight years. And, and I, I've read a lot of posts about sort of kids and Teslas. And a lot of Model S owners have, have sort of report common things, that being that, that kids seem to be naturally drawn to Teslas, you know, maybe partially because of how they look, but more so because they're so different and interesting. And the fact that, uh, I mean, I know, in my case, my six-year-old is uh, drawn like like a moth to the flame to a touchscreen because they're, you know, it's something to play with. There might be a a movie or a video of some sort on there to watch. So if that happens to apply to a lot of kids in general, I don't know, maybe it's just my kid, but, you know, a Tesla is like catnip to these kids in that scenario because of that giant 17-inch touchscreen in a car. But anyway, I thought that was pretty cool. So if you do see a, a Model S, a white Model S with police lights on the top of it, you will know uh, that, uh, that uh, it's out there. It's in, and you've spotted a, a very unique, unique Tesla. One last thing this week, by the way, the Tesla smartphone app now supports the Model 3. So it uh, doesn't, I mean, that's good news for all of us because we're still waiting for our cars. So we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that the app will be ready for use with Model 3 by the time we get our cars. But uh, presumably this, of course, the, you know, this, this really only has any tangible effect on those, you know, those, these first handful of employee Model 3 owners who, I suppose, they've probably had to use the credit card key uh, up until now since the app didn't actually support the Model 3. Although, for all I know, they were probably on like a beta branch of the app uh, since they have the car that's that's been you know testing the Model 3 functionality, but at least now for sure they uh, and the rest of us, once we get our cars, of course, are going to be able to use our phones to interact with our Model 3s. That wraps it up for the news this week. Again, plenty of stories to get to, lots happening in the world of Tesla. As usual, I'm going to come right back, and I've got, let's see here, one, two, three... Looks like four excellent calls queued up for you in the Ride the Lightning hotline right after this. Time for the Ride the Lightning hotline. If you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic related to Tesla that you would like to chime in with, I would love to hear from you always. You can tall, uh, call in toll-free, geez, if I can get my words correct there, 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. Alternatively, you can record your question on your smartphone's voice memo recorder and just email me that file. The email address is teslapodcast 
at gmail.com. But the Ride the Lightning hotline is very simple. It's basically just an answering machine that you leave a mes- message on anytime, day or night, 24-7. So, uh, and it's powered by lifeonrecord.com. If you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted, as I do with them, or put onto a keepsake. A lot of semi-truck talk this week in the Ride the Lightning Hotline. That seems to be what's on everybody's minds after the October 26th event announcement from Elon last week. I want to start with Sam in New York, who wonders how battery swapping would work in a fully autonomous semi-truck scenario. So Sam, you're on the air. Hey Ryan, it's Sam from New York. (laughs) Just heard your last podcast. I have a question about the semis. If they were to truly go fully autonomous, how would the battery swapping even work? I mean, the only thing that I could think of would be to keep spare batteries on board and then the trucks eventually having to switch on the fly when the previous batteries are about to die. Or if the trucks pull into the station, the snake cable that we from the snake cable video we saw a couple years ago actually does come to be then i'd understand how the trucks would be charging but then that would slow down on time so how would the battery swap station even work when it comes to semis if they were actually fully autonomous hope to hear your thoughts boy sam i'll tell you you could not have timed the beginning of your call any better right after you said i have a question about the semis you paused and what sounded like a semi-truck drove by. So well played, Sam. Well played. Uh, Anyway, unless I'm missing something, I think the battery swapping could work fundamentally similarly to, to the battery swap demo that we got in 2013. And as such, it wouldn't matter if there was a driver in the cab or not because the driver doesn't have to do anything. The car pulls up onto the battery swap platform, stops, the machine... Uh, removes your battery, you know, undoes all the everything, uh, takes the battery out, s- installs a fully charged one, re, uh, you know, reattaches the, the bolts, and boom, you're on your way. Uh, Tesla's, I mean, they've already proven the concept. And in fact, I wanted to play right now, I wanted, just wanted to play a clip from, this is Elon introducing the battery swap station at an event in 2013. Take a quick listen to this. So when we designed the Model S, we actually thought, well, we should preserve the optionality. So what if people do want to, what people do want to switch out uh, the, their battery pack? What if they if they only want to stop for a short period of time? And when you come to the back, to, to the Tesla station, it should be really called the supercharging station. It should just be called the Tesla station. Uh, you have the choice of uh, the supercharger, which is and always will be free, or you have the choice of a battery pack swap, which is faster than you can fill a gas tank. So the only decision you need to make when you come to one of our Tesla stations is do you prefer faster or free? So as I said, that was from 2013. And uh, well, I suppose that presentation hasn't aged very well, has it? Battery swapping didn't end up happening, at least for now. And supercharging isn't free anymore either. Well, I mean, at least it's still partially free, at least for the your first thousand or so miles that you drive uh, between superchargers per year. Anyway, uh, I wasn't I wasn't doing this podcast when that presentation happened, so I bet a lot of you never heard that or never saw it. So hopefully you got a you got a little uh, enjoyment out of hearing Elon introduce that from back in 2013. Let's go next to our friend Mike in Charlottesville. He has a guess at what Elon's semi-truck event surprise might be. Mike, you're on the air. Hey, Ryan, this is Mike from Charlottesville. So I know Tesla just announced that the the Tesla semi-unveiling will be sometime in late October. So I think I know Elon has continuously said that there's going to be something special that comes along with this event. And I think it's fairly simple and fairly uh, easy to decipher what that's going to be. So Tesla, according to their ramp for the Model 3, 
right around October is when they're going to start ramping up production quite significantly. So I think something easy that would satisfy everyone, including investors, would be just to show the production line and how efficiently it's running and how many cars they're pumping out as they're currently unveiling the semi truck. I think that would be good for the stock price. I think it would be good for the company. And overall, I think it would be good for every Model 3 reservation holder to instill some confidence. So uh, I just wanted to see what you think, uh, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. I'd love to see that, and I hope you're right, Mike, but uh, they won't be in Fremont, so they can't actually show it to anyone, show what you're talking about to anyone in person at this event. I mean, they could they could definitely do a remote feed, you know, live from the factory for sure that shows the Model 3 line humming along, although seeing as how the event is almost certainly going to be at night, like all the other Tesla events, unless they're running night shifts, they'd probably have to stage it since the event would be at night, or I suppose they could just tape it from earlier in the day. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm still of the mind, along with another a number of other folks who've called in, that it's going to involve a prototype of that next-gen Roadster. I, you know, they could roll it out of the back of, Tesla semi, of, of a Tesla semi-trailer, you know, Knight Rider style, uh, which, and, you know, because we, we know what a big fan of pop culture Elon is. I've said that before. And they've already got Tesla owners referring their, their tails off, trying to earn themselves a free one in the, in the secret levels of the, of the new referral program. So I can't wait to find out. We got T minus 30 days to go until the, uh, the semi truck event. Still on the topic. Here's Eric in Australia commenting on uh, the Tesla Semi. In fact, this is a twofer. We're going to listen to a call from Eric in Australia and then Steve from New Jersey uh, also with us with similar thoughts on the Tesla Semi truck. So wanted to uh, let them go and then I'll comment on those. So gentlemen, take it away. Thank you, Ryan. This is Eric from Australia in response to your call for comments on the upcoming Tesla Semi. This is a huge and important market, but perhaps not so much in the way most people may think. I believe it is the city traffic rather than the long haul that will see early and rapid switch to electric trucks. My normal job consists of hauling bulk freight with a semi-trailer around Sydney metropolitan area. In a typical 10-hour day, I would drive less than 200 kilometers, much of it stuck in constantly stopping, slow-moving traffic, contributing to the already deplorable air quality. Much of the loading and unloading is done inside large warehouses, which tend to accentuate the diesel fumes and the noise. Slow maneuvering in confined and restricted areas is often unavoidable and reversing a 50-ton truck at snail's pace up steep curved access way is not as easy as it sounds. With electric drive offering full torque from zero revs, the Tesla Semi will give drivers much more precise control over their rigs. The smooth, seamless power of electric motors makes slow-speed city driving and warehouse maneuvering so effortless that every driver will want one. The clean and quiet operation means many customers will prefer EV freight service. In many areas, deliveries are restricted to specific times of day so as not to disturb nearby residential areas. This would not apply to the Tesla Semi. Also, using compression brakes is often prohibited near residential areas because of the noise, meaning trucks must use a lot lower gear to control their speed. Progressive driver-controlled rig generative braking would totally overcome both the noise issue and any likelihood of brake failure due to heat buildup. Loading docks and warehouses could be designed much better if there was no need to consider the currently inevitable noise and diesel fumes. Maintenance and running costs alone would easily justify the switch to the Tesla Semi for many freight companies. This is a no-brainer. Only possible hold-up would be Tesla's ability to deliver the truck in sufficient numbers. The long distance also is not so much a problem as it may seem. 
drivers must take compulsory breaks after certain number of driving hours. Large truck stops and with toilets and sometimes showers already exist for this purpose. It would not be that difficult to add chargers to the truck parking bay so that Tesla semis could charge whilst the driver takes his compulsory break and sleeps in the truck. At the destination, unloading and reloading takes time, often several hours. Truck could easily charge whilst being loaded if suitable infrastructure was installed in warehouses. Whilst this would take a little bit of planning, it certainly is achievable. There's much more I could say, but I'm sure I'm out of time. Love your show. Hi, Ryan. Steve Minnick from Andover, New Jersey here. I had another thought about the tractor trailer that's coming out from Tesla. I keep seeing everybody trying to wrap their heads around how this thing's going to do long distances and how it's going to charge and how long it's going to take to charge and, you know, batteries in the trailer and, you know, things like that. I don't think that's the use case for these things. I'm guessing that it's going to be for local deliveries. My father was actually a truck driver for almost 40 years for the same company, and he did all the local work. So the long-distance guys would bring in the freight, and it would get redistributed to the different trailers, and he would go in during normal business hours, which is when the destinations would be open, and he would take a truck from the fleet, and he would drive the last leg of the delivery. So he would make deliveries all day to the different businesses in the area and then come back to the yard and leave the truck pretty much overnight. And they sat overnight and didn't do anything till the next day when the next set of deliveries had to go out. He did that for, you know, almost 40 years. The company had a big fleet of local trucks that didn't go long distance. I'm thinking that may be the use case for these things. You could take a big battery, stick it in these trucks... And they sit overnight, let them charge up overnight, and they're ready for their deliveries in the morning um, without any fancy, you know, battery swapping stations or anything. I think with just a regular wall charger or maybe two per truck, you could uh, just take the current technology and just make an electric tractor trailer. So, uh, I don't know. It's not the most common thing that people think about when they think of tractor trailers, but I think it's a larger portion of the fleet than most people realize. Anyway, just another thought on the tractor trailer. Uh, Great podcast, enjoying it on my commute to work, and keep it up, and talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Every now and again, I get calls that I I really have nothing to add to except to say thank you, and I think that's a case with each of these calls. So thank you, Eric and Steve, for educating me on this. You've both just spent the past few minutes giving me a new perspective on the the side of the semi-issue that I didn't know about, which is the intra-city perspective of trucking and truck driving. I, I learned a lot from both of those calls. And indeed, you know, you, you, you guys make great points about how the Tesla Semi could provide an immediate benefit, even when just operating within cities. So uh, thanks to you both for taking the time to call in and hope uh, hopefully other folks learn something from those calls as well. That'll wrap it up for the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Again, keep those calls coming. I appreciate them. I welcome them. I really, uh, this is probably the the most fun part of the show for me because I get to hear from other people besides uh, myself. (laughs) So uh, keep those calls coming. Again, you can can record it on your phone and email it to me, teslapodcast at gmail.com, or you can call the toll-free Ride the Lightning Hotline, where you can leave a message anytime, 24-7, and that number is 1-888-989-8752. I'll come right back here to wrap things up right after this. Uh, I already mentioned the new referral code from my cousin Pat in Arizona. Heard that earlier in the show. So let me mention uh, abstractocean.com. They've got a number of excellent Tesla accessories for both you and your car. The silicon key fob pockets, the uh, the screen protectors, all that stuff, uh, lanyards. Uh, check it out, abstractocean.com, and use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout in order to get 20% off 
off of your order. I'm on Patreon. If you uh, really value the podcast, you might, uh, I would hope you might consider supporting it over on Patreon, whatever you feel is, uh, is appropriate. Just visit the Patreon page if you get a chance. It's patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. I want to thank the Patreon producers. These are the kind folks who support me at the $20 level or higher each and every month. And those wonderful folks are Jeff Bartram, Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, ZL Klein, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Scott Gillis, Michael Lucas, Alexi Heft, Lisa Kaz, Michael Oprey, Logan Willis, Matthew Parra, Michael Lester, Robert Maracle, Vince Vaughn, John Lasher, Harold Plug, Jason Chalukas, Emotion Rentals, Richard Ouellette, Andreas Cohen, and Sean Fournier. Thank you all so much. You can find me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. Uh, email me, as I said, or I've given the, that address out a couple times, teslapodcast at gmail.com if you want to get in touch that way. And uh, please do subscribe to the podcast on your podcast service of choice. I'm on most of them, uh, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, or the individual MP3s and the RSS feed are on the hosting site where the podcast lives, which is teslapodcast.libsyn, spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N, dot com. That will wrap it up for... Technically, yes, yeah, this is the first edition of this podcast of the fall. Summer is officially over. Uh, I couldn't be more grateful to be down here, or out here in New Jersey, uh, with, with family and loved ones uh, to say goodbye to summer and usher in the fall. But guess what? Fall means that a whole lot of you, a lot of you, will be getting your Model 3s. And that is going to be super exciting Again, like when that time comes, I I am going to be calling for folks to light up the the ride the lightning hotline. Call in with your impressions. I want to hear your excitement. It's going to be fun. So we should see deliveries starting to ramp up in October and November, uh, and it is it it should be a really exciting finish to the year 2017 here over the final quarter, and uh, and of course I'll be here with you. Each and every week, new episodes drop every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern. Uh, or if you're a supporter on Patreon at the $5 level, level or higher, you get early access to the show, which uh, is, usually means it's usually a day, day and a half or so. You can get your, get your ears on it a bit early. So uh, from the New Jersey shore, the Eastern Time Zone, I'm going to pack it up and head on back to California And I will see you all again next week. Happy electric motoring.